Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome once again to OBR Weekly for June 22nd, 2021. Uh, my name is Barry McBride. I am the publisher in the tame web dork of the OBR. I've got Maker's Mark in my glass this week, so bear with me as I get less coherent throughout the broadcast, or, you know, relative even to how coherent I am now. Uh, but as always, I'm joined by Mr. Freddie Greetham, the Berea legend. Uh, how's it going, Fred? Diet Pepsi. <laughs> I'm, I'm going with the hard stuff tonight. But, to to, uh, to each their own refreshment. It's going great after the letdown of minicamp. Now that's over, and now we got six weeks of, you know, kind of hopefully all before the storm. And yeah. nobody gets in trouble, and nobody, you know, no negative news. Yeah, they they haven't been so lucky elsewhere in the league. We'll talk about that here in just a minute, uh, as there's been some uh, bad news for some of the teams that are out there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, now's the time where the front offices go on vacation. You know, it's really the only time of year that NFL teams can sort of shut down for a couple of weeks, isn't it? You know, they, uh, they're so busy uh, during the off season as soon as the season ends. Yeah, this is when they get their vacations. This is really when typically most coaching staffs are holding their breath because, you know, the, you know players go off on vacations, young guys in their 20s, things can happen. A lot of them can sometimes be news-making on the negative mm -hmm. side. And so they're trying right. to, you know, hopefully get to training camp healthy and unscathed. That's the plan. Uh, well, we hope so. Uh, knock on wood, the Browns seem to have been having better luck on that with that uh, in uh, the Stefanski era. Hopefully that continues. Uh, we've got a couple of minor news items uh, to talk about today. Um, just some, Spinning off for some speculation that's in the media, the usual wacky stuff. Uh, but uh, as always, it's your questions in the chat room that keep us going. Uh, so let's get around to it tonight uh, while I'm still relatively coherent. Um, first news item, uh, some people in the league, quote unquote, from Jeremy Fowler, believe that a Mayfield contract is coming, contract extension is coming. He would be the first of the big three, that being him, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson, to sign a contract. But Fred, I was told, I think it was last week, by Pro Football Talk, that this is going to be a big game of chicken, you know, to see who signs first and, and, and all that sort of thing, because whoever signs second and third can ask for a little bit more money. Uh, that's what I heard. I just don't know what to believe. Uh, I, I, am, I am at a loss right now. Uh, I am a man without a uh, uh, without a focus. It's it's just pretty ugly right now. So give me some reassurance. Do you think Baker Mayfield is going to sign a contract relatively soon, or do you think it's going to be a game of wait and see? Well, I mean, you know, when you at this time of year, everybody's throwing things out, you know, and so they can always say, I, I had that. Well, I could say that all day. He might get signed. He might not get signed. I've covered it now, right? No matter what mm -hmm. happens, right. I was right. And, and um, you know, and so guys on television, 
you know, they got to fill time and they have to also, you know, you know, to their credit, they have to <laughs> come up with interesting bylines. But I mean, that only makes sense that, you know, most of them are going to wait. It's kind of the way it used to be with draft picks. Nobody wanted to sign before mm-hmm. it was slotted because they all wanted to get a dollar more than the next guy. And it's right. no different here. Whoever signs usually is the highest paid guy at their position. It'll be interesting this time because it's hard for me to believe that either any of these three would, would get more than Mahomes, And, um, right. you know, and so it's just a matter of, you know, I, I don't think you look around. I just think you, you get the thing done if you can. Last year, I'm just going on. This is when they did Miles Garrett. Um, I know it's a little different defensive end as opposed to quarterback, but I just think that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they get it done before training camp. Then again, I think there's more pressing needs, you know, with Nick Chubb and Wyatt Teller. These guys are going yep. into their their final year of their contract when you still have Mayfield for two years and you can always franchise him and you can do the same thing technically with Denzel Ward. So mm-hmm. I would I would like to get Nick Chubb, Wyatt Teller checked off the list if that's what you're gonna do. Because usually what happens, these guys, when they get to training camp unsigned, then they go into this, well, we're not going to, we're going to hold talks until after the season, you know? Right, and then, right. And, and then you're, you're into free agency because everybody figures, you know, if I'm a free agent, I'm not going to do any worse. I'm going to at least come back, you know, to the team that had me for the same money unless you just have a terrible year. So, I would like them to get Nick Chubb. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the next one they check off the list or Wyatt mm. Teller. But um, if if Baker Mayfield and, and talks are going well and, and he's agreeable, to me you have more room for um, growth when you have the quarterback still not signing the extension because now you've, you've, you've put a huge amount of money, you know, into there and, you know, and they still, you know, I still scratch my head a little bit about, you know, I realized they, they decided to cut Sheldon Richardson, but the timing was, it was almost like they wanted to get $20 million under the cap. And I don't know if that is for any particular signing because mm-hmm. they still are $20 million under the cap and everybody signed but Newsom and Schwartz and you, you're not going to have the bank, you know, broken for the third round pick and and Newsom is going to be locked in at eight nine million or whatever it is as a mm-hmm. rookie first round pick so you know we'll see what happens but I, I have to believe that they're going to get one or two of these guys done before training camp starts yeah uh, I, w- I would think so and you know just the the sourcing on that item you know the whole some people in the league believe I mean, who are these people? What do they know? Are they on the Browns? Are they competitors of the Browns who are guessing? You don't know, but I agree with you. They have to fill up time so you come up with stuff like this. And uh, it leaves people like me confused, but I'm confused most of the time anyway. News item number two, Zayvon Collins is Let me say one more thing. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Let me go back and say one thing. Everybody knows how I feel about Nick Chubb. I think he's he's the heart and soul of this offense 
and specifically Kevin Stefanski's style of running back oriented, a running game in the zone scheme. How can you not get him done? I mean, right. Kareem Hunt is a is a good running back, and he's a, he would be number one with most teams. And they showed priority last year to extend him. So Nick Chubb has to be right in the radar. And we talked to him about this just during mini camp. And I wrote a story about it. He said he doesn't like uncertainty. He knows what he has with the Browns. He knows the coaches. He's comfortable here. And he seems to be that type of individual. He's an introverted individual. And I'm not saying he's going to just, you know, be duped into taking less, but he's going to get a fair shake. And I don't think he's going to hold out for the last dollar. I think he's going to tell the agent, I want to play with the Browns. Let's get it done. Yeah, I'm not going to – I don't want to just pass to another podcast, but Lane Atkins was on uh, Not the Same Old Browns last night, uh, which is presented by the OBR and will become part of our our video uh, schedule uh, moving forward later on this month, and uh, Lane told the guys there that uh, they've been, you know, uh, gauging uh, what it would take to sign Chubb for a while. Uh, Denzel Ward, they're working on him as well. I don't want to paraphrase what he said. I would suggest going and listening to that podcast as well. But uh, uh, you know, hopefully Chubb will be soon, uh, and definitely somebody you want to see on this team moving forward. That's for sure. Um, let's go to the next news item. Zayvon Collins arrested. Um, boy, uh, nothing you really want to hear. This guy was going 70-some in a 35, uh, driving recklessly, so on and so forth. But uh, I just can't help but remember how many times Zayvon Collins was mentioned uh, tied to the Browns in mock drafts over and over again. And uh, I didn't think that... Uh, Collins seemed like a very good fit to the for the Browns, given how they view the linebacker core. Uh, did you ever believe that Collins was on the radar for Browns at number one, Fred? Well, I, I didn't think linebacker was, you know, the top priority. I think there was some question, is he because his size, was he an edge? But I know Mel Kuyper had him at 26 for the Browns forever. I mean, almost mm-hmm. every mock draft and a lot of them – picked up and copied on that um no i felt cornerback was the top priority all along that doesn't mean that's what you know that andrew barry was going right you know to do but he ultimately did that and and um i just the way you know when you only are using a couple linebackers in your preferred defense you got anthony walker for a reason and so Mm-hmm. You know, I just didn't feel that, you know, the guys they had, they had more of a pressing need at cornerback. Yeah, and they drafted a, a linebacker fairly high last year. You know, you would think that uh, uh, that would play into it. But, uh, you know, JOK falling obviously uh, changed the whole equation, uh, you know, much to uh, uh, the happiness of uh, most Browns fans, including those at the OBR. Uh, news item number three, Greg Newsom was spotted in the slot a couple of times at minicamp. I don't know if you saw that yourself, Fred, or not, that he was playing slot corner a little. Uh, I guess it makes a little sense 
you know, maybe you need somebody if Troy Hill gets injured. Maybe Newsom doesn't beat out Williams and is available and all that. But uh, what do you think about uh, our first-round draft pick, you know, playing a little slot corner? Yeah, I think they, they, they call it cross-training, and they do that with all of them. I mean, mm-hmm. I've even seen Denzel Ward getting some work inside, Greedy Williams inside. So if you have four cornerbacks and one gets hurt, you want to – be able to have your best ones playing and and um and so like you said if troy hill who's probably going to be the number one slot is injured you want some guy you know in the depth to step in and and you want your your best ones on the roster playing inside outside whatever i mean it used to be you were a cornerback so i think they can handle both they I mean, Troy Hill was an outside guy until last year. I think the Rams moved him inside, and he had right. a, he's done very well. And the Browns signed him as an inside guy. So they already know he can go outside. They want to see if Newsom, you know, can go an inside, outside. I don't know. I would think inside might even be a little better or easier for a rookie to make a transition as opposed right. to being on that island out there lined up one-on-one, you know, in press coverage with you know with some of the best wide receivers in the nfl so no i just think that's part of what they call cross training you see the same thing with linebackers guys you know inside outside you see guys playing defensive tackle defensive end they want mm-hmm. depth and versatility on this roster guys they can move in shuffle in shuffle out and so yeah i saw newsome out there and i think you know in many camp you know, you're going to see all kinds of stuff, and, and we did. All right. Hey, some great questions already popping up in the chat room. Keep them coming, guys. Uh, we've got a couple more news items, and then we will get to your questions in the chat room. Uh, you guys drive the show. So uh, questions, comments, whatever you have to make, we will uh, react to them. Uh, news item number four, uh, for all you Newswire readers out there, uh rewarding my aberrant behavior of getting up early in the morning and linking whatever I can find this time of year. Uh, We got a local newspaper article we mentioned in the Newswire a couple days ago, I think just two days ago. It's about Richard LeCount, the uh, uh, defensive back for the Browns, and him talking to a local newspaper saying that he finally feels that he's at 100%. Uh, moving forward. Obviously, he was hurt on Halloween in a, uh, I believe, a motorcycle accident. Um, he had he had some sort of accident on Halloween, sort of knocked out his season at Georgia, but now he thinks he's about to uh, bounce back to 100%. Uh, Fred, I'm just, I'm just curious. You know, I don't know how much you saw of him. You, you know, you had a ton of players to keep an eye on while you were out there, but... Uh, Uh, Do we think he could make some noise in the free safety race uh, in the defensive backfield? Well, first of all, they didn't have him on the side with the trainers, which a lot of injured guys are. Even Grant Delpit was kind of alternating one day on, one day off. He was out there, you know, with the with the team, even though it was shorts and shoulder pads or no shoulder pads, just helmets. But yeah, he was running, looking pretty good, moving around. Um, I think that's a good sign. I think that, you know, he was a value pick when they take him in the fifth round. 
guy that played at a big time program, started for three years, but then like you said, his final year, you know, he has he has the unfortunate off the field accident and so sat out. So to even get drafted there, that tells you, you know, when you're playing, when you're starting for three years at an Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia, you know, an SEC school, I think that right. tells you, you know, that he's a good player. If he is healthy, yes, I see him having a chance to be the fourth safety. Um, I think Sheldrick Redwine's in trouble. Um, mm-hmm. Last year they had a chance to play him when guys were injured or COVID, and he played some. He did have an interception, a couple big plays, but I don't know if he's the type of body type that Joe Woods wants. I remember him on a blitz coming untouched and bouncing off the quarterback. I don't even remember who it was. That's um, a bad sign. But, but he couldn't get the guy on the ground. That Yeah, when you're – that's what you got to do. And and so I just think that um, LeCount is going to make the team or break the team this year on special teams. If he can be the fourth safety and be a core player on special teams, I think that's where he makes it mark or he's going to be on the practice squad and developing him for the future. There's a couple other safeties they signed last year that were on the practice squad, Javante Moffitt, Elijah mm-hmm. Benton. Um, those guys, you know, they kept around all offseason last year or on the season on practice squad. So it's really going to come down to training camp this year. I think they're all going to get an opportunity with the preseason games. You remember last year, undrafted guys had almost no shot because they were trying to get the starters ready for the season with no preseason games and all they had was training camp so i think you're going to see you know i think you're going to see LeCount get an opportunity to make the team you know but a lot of it will come down to how does he play in in the preseason yeah uh, well that that makes total sense i mean as a as a browns fan uh you're always looking for these diamonds in the rough you know, you're always hopeful that your team has gotten an incredible bargain that somebody fell for unknown reasons. JOK is certainly an example of that. And LeCount, obviously, with his injury last year, if he fully recovers from that, then he may be a real bargain, you know, for where he was picked in the draft uh, and somebody to keep an eye on, I think. Another guy who's picked kind of low in the draft uh, last year but looks like a diamond in the rough is Donovan Peoples-Jones, in the case of DPJ, you know, we were all saying, hey, uh, you know, this guy's a better receiver than uh, a sixth-round pick because he was held back in Michigan, and our guys in the front office were smart enough to see that, uh, whereas other teams were not, and so we got a steal. And uh, that actually seems to be coming to fruition uh, to a certain degree. Um, DPJ supposedly had an excellent minicamp. Uh, according to various articles that I've seen on the web. Um, Fred, let me just ask you, how do you have an excellent minicamp if you're in shirts and shorts? You know, is that, uh, <laughs> is there, are there ways to stand out there as a wide receiver? Is it just speed or is it accurate route running? You know, how do you stand out as a wide receiver in camp? Yeah, you look good in shorts, and but but no, as far as he got an opportunity because Rashard Higgins, for whatever reason, was held out. He had some minor issue the last two days of the mini camp, and uh, Beckham was held out for most of the the team drills. 
um, just because the ACL. And so he was running with the first team and getting a lot of rep and, and he was, he was catching the ball. I mean, that's all you can do in this, this time of the year. But I think more so than that, he does look in great shape, his body type, you know, he's a big, tall, six, two target, good speed. I think, I think he really um, stepped up last year and that Bengals game was his coming out game when he caught the game winner with 11 seconds to go. I really think that a guy like like Donovan Peoples-Jones can really make a big push this year to be the third receiver. And I think the way he plays this year and how he develops could could go a long way in the decision process of what they're going to do a wide receiver long term. We all know the 800-pound elephant in the room, OBJ and Landry, you know, at mm. $30 million between them. And next year, it's like $32 million between them. And, and so if they feel they can get the same production out of one of them or both of them, that he could take one or both, you know, could play either one, that would go a long way in helping them make a decision long term. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I don't think Higgins is the long-term, you know, guy. He He's really a, a very plug-and-play guy, but I don't think he's looked at as being the premier number one wide receiver, and I don't know about Kadero Hodge either. And so I think Peoples-Jones has the best chance of the backups to, to Landry and Beckham to really make the biggest strides this year. Well, that'll be interesting to watch during camp and during the preseason, see how much activity he gets, you know, how much of an opportunity he gets to get out there and shine and maybe be that third receiver. Um, you know, they said the same thing about Mac Wilson. I heard Mac Wilson had a good camp, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just really skeptical about that. I mean, he's always been able to pluck the ball out of the air, you know, fairly well. Um, but, uh, you know, we didn't see it on the field during the regular season last year. You have any thoughts on Mac Wilson and his camp? Well, I think one thing as far as, you know, a receiver or any of these guys, but the receivers know they're not going to get hit for sure. So it makes you a little more, um, you know, it's easier to go up and get that ball and knowing you're not going to get popped. But as far as linebackers, same thing. They're just running around. He did have an interception I saw on a tip pass. Um, I do feel that Wilson, you know, last year he got hurt like on the first day or second day of of training camp, and he never really recovered from it. And I remember when he got hurt because they were so thin at linebacker, everybody's like, oh, no, the season's lost. And they signed Malcolm Smith after training camp started. He came in with no offseason, and – he was the second leading tackler. So, you know, as far as a guy like um, Mac Wilson, I think he's going to have to have a, dr- a great training camp to even make the team. That's just me. Right. You drafted two linebackers to play the style that you want to, to play, you know, in JOK and Tony Fields. Now, Tony Fields, you know, has, has missed – all the time so far with a foot injury. So unless he's held out or isn't ready to go from the beginning of camp, that could help Wilson. But I don't know how many linebackers they're going to keep, you know, especially, you know, with the roster, the way it's constructed. 
it could come down to Wilson or Malcolm Smith, but I know they like Malcolm Smith, but he's fighting age at 32. And uh, Wilson, I think if he can be a core special teams player, maybe that could keep him on the team because um, they did lose some special team key players, you know, like Tavier Thomas and, you know, Mm -hmm. some of those guys that 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 was their forte. So you got to have special teams guys if you're going to, you know, if you count that as one third of of your team. So that that to me, I think, is his best shot right now. Yeah, that's a good call on Thomas. They uh, did get a little bit weaker in special teams over the offseason. Some of these guys have an opportunity to step up and uh, get a uh, get a job, you know, off their special team skills. Um, next question. Uh, one of the guys that uh, talked after minicamp one day is defensive coordinator Joe Woods. And Joe Woods... Uh, talked a little bit about how hot his seat is. Uh, I really think that he deserves a bit of a mulligan after last year, given what he had to work with. Uh, But uh, apparently, you know, that was the theme of the media that day that uh, Joe Woods has a hot seat under him. Um, Do you you think that he's at risk unless this becomes like a top seven, top five defense? Uh, Or will he get a couple years to put his system in place? Well, I wouldn't say it was a hot topic. There was one reporter that asked that. Um, you know, and Wood said, I've, I've been on the hot seat for 30 years. And Stefanski kind of was asked that too the day before and or maybe earlier that day. And he said the same thing. You know, in the NFL it is. It's not for long. You don't win, you're out. I do right. think that Joe Woods, for his own personal I think if the Browns, you know, last year he had a, he did not have a good a, a good bunch of players on defense. I mean, when Grant Delpit went down, they had no depth. When Greedy Williams went down, they had no depth at corner, and mm-hmm. and so all the way across, they were thin to begin with. They looked like they had a decent starting lineup, but they had no depth. And when Mac Wilson, he was counted on to be a key linebacker last year. And so they had a lot of injuries, had a lot of COVID. And then, you know, he's playing guys like sixth, seventh on the roster at cornerback, you know, in the playoffs. And, you know, he had a guy, Robert Jackson, who hadn't even taken any plays at cornerback all year. He's a special teams guy. And he's lining up against Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, and it showed over there. But, um so I think Joe Woods is high on Kevin Stefanski's favored list. He he was one of the first guys he hired. And if you mm-hmm. remember when Stan, Stefanski was being rumored to get the job, Joe Woods was in the Super Bowl, and, and it was a bad kept secret that Joe Woods was coming to Cleveland. I think right. he's more in line to be a head coach in the NFL. If the Browns are a top 10 defense this year, I think Joe mm-hmm. Woods will get a head coaching job. And and I think it 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 is all about the players. They went out and got 17 players on defense. That tells you what the state of the roster was last year. Yep. And yep. you know, and it is a players league. Coaches do make a difference. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Kevin Stefanski took pretty much the same roster that Freddie Kitchens had. 
he they added two tackles, which was big. But Jedrick Wills struggled as a as a rookie. But they pretty much were the same offense Freddie Kitchens had, and they clicked. And, mm-hmm. and that offense in the second half of the season, you know, was was really good. Joe Joe Woods never really had players that could play what he wanted to. I mean, Ronnie Harrison was more of his type of player, and he didn't have him, you know, until middle of the season, you know, where he broke in. So, no, I think Joe Woods, if they if they come out and, and have the type of defense they did last year and are at the bottom of the league giving up 26 a game, yeah, all things being equal with the players they've assembled, unless they all get injured or go down, um, and even with that said, he's got much more depth. A silver lining with the Grant Delpit injury is if Grant Delpit played last year, they might not win and got John Johnson, you know? Right. And and so now you got John Johnson, Ron Harrison, and Delpit, and you could play two of them. You could play all three of them. And same thing at cornerback. You got four good corners. With Williams out last year, they realized they had to go get another cornerback or two. They got Greg Newsom. And so, and at the pass rush, you know, Miles Garrett was pretty much by himself. I know Olivier Vernon had nine sacks, but a lot of them were in games, you know, where they weren't big sacks. I mean, he had one game, he had three sacks, and they were big because Garrett didn't play. But the rest right. of the time, he was pretty quiet. I want a double digit sack guy opposite Garrett. And so Garrett can feast and the other guy can feast. I'll tell you one guy that looked really good to me was Tack McKinley. I've heard about mm. them thinking that Andrew Berry really liked him and has had his eye on him for several years. He looked good to me and Clowney looked good to me. If those three guys, Garrett, Clowney, and um, McKinley can get that type of, of rush, I think you're – all the way around, it's going to look so much better, you know, on the defense. Right. So, yeah, I'd say from the aspect that Joe Woods, just because all the talent they brought in, there's high expectations, but I don't think he's on the hot seat. I mean, you got to give him a little time, you know, like Alex Van Pelt. That offense didn't really click till the second half of the season. The defense mm-hmm. might get might come together quicker because it is defense and they're going to have a training camp in preseason where last year you didn't really have it right. until the, the real bullets start flying in the regular season. Yeah, you just hope that the uh, all the new players come together relatively quickly and they've got a number of veterans in that mix. Uh, so one certainly hopes that they would. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I guess unless the uh, – uh, unless the defense just falls on its face, you know, I think uh, Joe Woods has good things in store for him. Um, now, I, another Newswire-related question for you, Fred. Uh, I, uh, I I track everything Browns in that Newswire, uh, including what people are writing. And it seems to be a big out-of-town story, but I don't hear about much of it in town. And that has to do with the field goal kicker. Uh, there were two articles last week talking about Cody Parkey and how his job was potentially threatened uh, by Chase McLaughlin, I believe is his name. Uh, do you think that's a real field goal competition? Uh, or do you think that uh, Parkey has a, a big edge? Um, I think it's a real competition. You know, the interesting thing about um, 
the the Browns kept a, a kicker on the practice squad all last year. I think his name was Matt McCrane. And so that told me they were they were keeping um, Parky's foot to the fire, so to say. Because right. when you keep a guy on the practice squad that's a kicker, um, you know, that's telling you, wow, usually roster spots are pretty uh, – I, I know it was expanded. They had 16, but but still a kicker. But as soon as this McLaughlin became available, they cut and dropped McCrane. And the interesting thing about this guy, if you look at him, I think he was first signed in like 2019. He's been on like mm-hmm. 11 teams, you know, or in camp with him on practice. Right. So he must have a big leg where they really are impressed with him, but he hasn't been able to stick. So sometimes these guys – just can't get it between the ears. Now, on the right. contrary, I think Parky's pretty good. I mean, I remember, you know, back in the days I played fantasy football, when he came in with the Eagles, he didn't miss anything. You know, he was really good. And then he then he bounced around. He started, you know, and he had the fiasco with the Bears. He was with the Browns. He missed that. He kind of cost him a Dolphins game, and the Browns cut him, and he bounced around and had the thing with the Bears. I know one thing mm-hmm. that Mike Pryfer said the other day, the special teams coach, his wife was pregnant last year with their child, and he was, he didn't want to be, um, I don't know how he said it, if it was in the facility or working on his strength, you know, before the season because right. of the COVID concerns, he was afraid to take right. it home, rightly so. And so he, he felt this offseason he's really – put on some some strength and bulk. If you remember last year, he had trouble getting the ball out of the end zone on kickoffs, and and he seems to feel that he'll be he'll be much better this year. Right. I, I'm just intrigued with his ability to hit the upright. You know, yeah. if, if you tried <laughs> to do that, you couldn't do it, you know. But right. I watch him in practice, he hits the upright, you know, and uh, – I think they should. That should be a new NFL thing. That if you call it and say, "Hey, I'm going for the upright," you get four <laughs> points or something. You know, if you miss, you lose points or something. But anyway, no, I think I think it's legitimate. If you remember last year, we asked about Austin Cyber all training camp, all right. you know, solid, solid, no competition, and then he had one game and they cut him. You know, yeah. so um, Parky they stuck with the whole year. And uh, I would think he's now entering that age where you start, you're, you you get, I don't know, there's a certain age with kickers it seems like all of a sudden the yips go away mm-hmm. if they're going to go away. If they don't, they never go away. And I think he's, you know, I think he's kind of in that zone now where I would expect him to have a good training camp and expect him to win it, but... I would rather him than a guy that's really bounced around, hasn't been able to stick because for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to make them when he had his opportunities. And so if this team's a playoff bound team, you don't want to take your chance on a guy you hope makes a field goal. You want that pretty much. And Parkey was pretty automatic 40 yards or under. He might not Mm -hmm. have been great on the longer ones. And uh, with this offense, I think, if they stall, it's going to be closer to the goal line than further away. And 
you know, and right. if you're worried about your kicker, go for it on fourth down. And if you're worried about your kicker, go for two. I think that this offense ought to be able to get two points half the time, and that would come out about the same. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not worried about the kicking game. All right. Sounds good. Well, we are through uh, my list of news items. That took us 35 minutes. Uh, so we got 25 minutes to get through the questions that we have, uh, both from Ask the Insiders and in the chat room. Uh, if you've got questions, fire them off. Uh, we will try to get to them. Uh, so uh, we'll go a little bit more rapid fire on these, Fred. Uh, first question is from uh, Ron. Uh, he would like to know your observations on the defensive tackles in camp. Well, you know that without Sheldon Richardson, to me, that was the biggest questionable move. But I'm not going to question Andrew Barry and his staff. They felt, obviously, they could replace him in the rotation with a bunch of different guys, namely Malik Jackson and Andrew Billings. And so um, I was (laughs) – Andrew Billings was a big man. I didn't see him on the field last Mm -hmm. year. I had seen him, though, in a Bengals uniform, and he's much bigger than he was when he was in a Bengals uniform. Um, They have him listed at 328. I think he's a little bigger than that. And I'm sure that the nutritionist or the dietitian, they said in the next six weeks, this is what you're going to be on diet-wise. He looks, Mm -hmm. though, like a run stopper. If he's truly just going to be clogging up the middle like like a nose tackle, that's what he looks like. Um, but I think they want him slimmed down a little bit. But he did move. I watched him in drills. He was moving pretty good. And so I expect him to be in, a, in better shape by training camp. But he didn't play last year. These young guys, that would be difficult for me if I'm 300 pounds anyway to lay off, you know, the Big Macs and, and everything for a year thinking <laughs> I got plenty of time. So, you know. I think he I think he'll be pretty good against the run. Malik Jackson looked pretty good. You got a veteran there. Um until we get the the hitting together, um I don't know what Tommy Togiai, you know, will be. Mm. I I was impressed a little bit with what I saw Mar- Marvin Wilson. He was moving pretty well. He's a undrafted free agent that they spent a lot of money to bring in. They right. paid him almost like a fifth round pick. Um mm. the guy he got like the the most um, money ever for an undrafted free agent. And so I think they have plans for him. Uh, With that said, also Malik McDowell didn't get to see him much because he did not practice the first two, three days. They didn't say what was his problem, but he's he's impressive. He's tall. He's much taller and leaner than some of the other guys. He almost looked like a linebacker or an edge rusher. So I'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see how he goes. But um, as far as Jordan Elliott, I mean, he's the guy they're counting on. Third-round pick last year. Played a little bit, but you never really heard him make any impact. He looked good. You know, he looks he looks slim down. He looks in shape. And uh, he looked pretty quick in the drills I saw him. So I'm anxious to see him. I'm thinking that they feel between Jackson Billings and and then the guys they brought in, you know, that I mentioned, they they can handle that. They also brought in a like a nine-year veteran, Damian Square, one of the guys right. from the Chargers, that's kind of a journeyman guy that if if 
these young guys aren't ready. I'm sure he can step right in and fill a gap. But um, it, I think they are really going to – it's going to be by committee. They're hoping – you know, they knew they had to address defensive tackle because even if Richardson come back, they were looking at a one-year deal and he was at 30, 31, 32. Malik Jackson's voidable years and he's 32. And so, you know, I think they want to get younger and they were willing to take that risk with some of these guys. But I think that I think that your best bet's going to be in Jordan Elliott um, and, and then behind Jackson and Billings. And then somebody could emerge like Malik McDowell or Marvin Wilson. Right. Um, right there. It's going to be a real interesting battle during training camp and during the preseason to watch these guys to see who emerges. If Togi I is uh, uh, surprising people uh, a little bit with how he's playing, if Malik McDowell can uh, live up to his uh, potential finally in the NFL, uh, it could be really, really interesting. Uh, the second question from Ron has to do with uh, any observations you have on the defensive ends, not the three, uh, not McKinley uh, uh, and Garrett and Clowney, but the guys behind them, uh, who I would assume would be Romeo McKnight and Porter Gustin and uh, uh, Calvin, Cal, Cameron Malvo, I think. Uh, let's see, who else is Joe Jackson? Weaver. Curtis Weaver right now, I think, would be the odds-on to be the fourth, uh, fourth edge rusher. He's a really? kid that he's a kid that, um, the played at Boise State. Browns were high on him. Was told he was somebody they were looking at, you know, in fifth, sixth, seventh round. The Dolphins took him in the fifth round. He right. sustained a toe injury in training camp, and like I said. No teams had any preseason games. They were trying to get their starters ready. Word was they tried. It wasn't, you know, a season-long injury, but they were trying to um, get him through waivers so they didn't have to stash him on injury reserve. And um, the Browns claimed him, put him on injury reserve for the whole season. Andrew Barry has talked about him in the offseason, said that, the biggest question about him coming out of college was his physical um, strength, upper body strength, mm-hmm. and really was impressed, said that he transformed his body in the offseason. And so he looked pretty impressive on the field. He looks very quick off the edge. Number 59, if you saw any videos I posted. Right. Um, but last year, Porter Gustin was kind of like all Berea in training camp. I yeah, mean, yeah. he was running by the tackles all day. I thought he was going to really have a big year, you know, um, as the third guy behind Vernon and, and Garrett. But he really – he played, but he had no sacks. Um, right. He did all right, but he really didn't make any plays. I think he still could be that guy, but I think Curtis Weaver right now would be my guess to be the fourth defensive end. And they didn't draft any defensive ends, and they didn't sign any behind the top two guys, you know, like Clowney mm-hmm. and, and McKinley. So I think that the draft shows me a little bit that they felt that they had something with Weaver. So he's basically a rookie. So 
for him to get on the field, he's going to have to have a good preseason. But I think yeah. they're high on him. Interesting, interesting. So we'll see what happens there. Port Augustine, interesting story from last year. Uh, just disappeared during the regular season to my eyes. Um, next question we have comes from KimDog64 in ATI. Uh, very similar to Ron's third question in the chat room. And KimDog asks, what are your thoughts on whether a another veteran cornerback should be signed or are they that high on A.J. Green? There's a guy we haven't talked about very much is Green, but uh, obviously they liked him last year. Yeah, I mean, he's a little unknown because obviously last year he didn't play. I think he was active for one game, brought up from practice squad. We're not allowed to see practice once the season starts. And right. and so we all, all we had no preseason games last year. We just saw him on – on the practice field and like I already mentioned they spent all of training camp trying to get their starters ready to play so he's a developmental guy he was out there a little bit on the scout but most of the time it was their starters or second team defense he wasn't good enough obviously they didn't feel better playing him than Robert Jackson and some of those guys Mm -hmm. but I no, they spent a lot of money on him as an undrafted free agent. And I do think he has a chance to be the fifth cornerback this year. It will be, I think the mini camp might have told them in, in what they saw. It was a passing camp, the coaching staff in the front office. Did they get enough to see, is he a guy that they feel good enough to be that fifth or sixth corner? Or are they mm-hmm. going to go get one when training camp opens? I could see it be similar. I think friends oh, last go ahead. year, you know, when Mac Wilson went down in training, there's a bunch of guys, you know, that haven't signed some of the bigger names, even guys like Steven Nelson was with the Steelers and Brian Poole. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. I don't know what those guys are. They're, they're probably higher dollar guys. But when they get every day, we get closer to training camp. Their their money's got to go down if they want right. to play. Um, so you're going to see guys with one year deals, and I would not be surprised if they bring in a guy, you know, right around training camp on a one year deal. But I I really think they're going to see what they have, and a lot of it's how they evaluated coming out of mini camp. Are we good to right. go to start there? Or are we going to go get? A cornerback. That's about the only position I think they could add because they have to have fresh in their mind how many they went through last year. I mean, mm-hmm. you had you had your second and third cornerback, well, second, third, and fourth miss a ton of time, and Greedy Williams the whole season, and and uh, Kevin Kevin, yeah, Johnson. right, Johnson, you know, missed quite a bit of time in training camp, and then during the season with coming back from that lacerated liver and and mm-hmm. and Denzel Ward missed four games. So you were playing your your fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh corners. And I really think that they don't want to do that. But it's going to be a value thing. You know, if it's a bigger name guy and he's saying, look, I want to win. I'll sign a one-year prove-it deal and come here. But then again, he might want to go to a team where he can play. Because here, 
he might not play if he's the fourth guy or third or fourth or fifth guy. So, mm-hmm. all things being equal, yeah, I think they're always looking for depth, but I don't think they're in a hurry right now. They're going to maybe see how the how training camp starts or the preseason starts. Right. It increasingly becomes a buyer's market as you get closer and closer to training camp. And uh, Nelson and Poole and the others who are available might have their their prices going down uh, over the uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. Uh, let's go to the next question. This one is, uh, I don't have an answer to it, that's for sure. I don't know if you do, Fred, but this comes from Walt, and he was looking for insight into Darren Fells. Remember Darren Fells? Uh, he was released in 2019. Do you remember anything about that? Yeah, I, I um, don't remember the scenarios. I I thought he was on the team the whole year and got, you know, was a free agent after the year and just signed with the Texans, but I could be wrong. Maybe they cut him. There's so many guys coming and going that that was the Freddie kitchens, John Dorsey year. Um, I think Dorsey signed him as a free agent. And, Mm -hmm. and so I don't really know the whole nine yards. He did have that one big game. I remember. Um, I just think that, you know, the Austin Hooper thing, you know, that, he was long gone by then. I don't remember. I'd have to look on the transaction line to see if he was just a free agent that left or if mm-hmm. they released him. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that they've got better better tight ends now than Darren Fells. They certainly do. They're relatively deep at uh, tight end, uh, you know, after last year's draft. Uh, let's go to a question from – uh, let's see here, uh, Paul in the chat room, and he asks, are you guys allowing yourself to get hyped for this year? And uh, as uh, professional journalists, it's kind of uh, tough, I would imagine, to get uh, to get too hyped because uh, you want to remain objective. Isn't that right, Fred? You know, I have a personality like Kevin Stefanski as far as flatline guy. You know, I, I've been <laughs> I've been doing this for so long that nothing surprises me, nothing shocks me. I thought the team would be better, you know, two years ago. I predict they'd be 10 and 6, and they went 6 and 10. Um, I think that you have a, a captain at the ship here that as soon as they lost to the Chiefs, started challenging the team on even getting back to the playoffs, that like of the 10 playoff teams, five didn't make it the next year. I think that Kevin Stefanski will keep these guys grounded. And I think a lot of the key performers were on this team in 2019 when they were a lot of hype, a lot of bark, no bite. And uh, Mm -hmm. so I'm excited of the potential. Um, But in the NFL, anything can happen. Injuries can can derail a season in a hurry. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I'm more interested in how they're playing down the stretch. And because the AFC is so loaded with up-and-coming teams with young quarterbacks, it's hard to get excited. I'd be more excited if the Browns were in the NFC right now. Right, Because that seems to be wide open. Whereas the AFC, you don't know what you're going to see with the Bills. They seem to be ascending. So are the Ravens. You know, the Chiefs are are perennial. And you don't know about Mm -hmm. some of the other teams in there. But – as far as the, I just think that the focus is getting in the playoffs 
and that's where your laser focus should be on the AFC North because you play six out of 17 games against the AFC North. And to get to the playoffs, the surest way is to win the division. And you got to get past the Ravens before you can you can even know you're going to be in the playoffs for sure. So, you know, all things being said, yeah, I'm I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic because I see the players they have out there. I mean, I have not seen a talented roster like this in since I've covered the team, you know, in over 30 years, and uh, and that's saying something because. The team even a couple years ago was pretty talented, but they've mm-hmm. added they've added on defense is where I'm excited. I don't feel this this team has to be the 1985 Chicago Bear defense. They just have to be a little better than they were last year. They gave up 26 a game, and the offense scored 25 a game. I cannot believe this team won 12 games counting the playoffs, <laughs> and right. yet the defense gave up more points per game than the offense did. So. Yeah. If this defense can just cut it down to like the low 20s, this offense will outscore most of the teams they play. So, and I think this defense is set up to do much better than that. I I was just hoping for a little improvement. This defense really could be good. You know, I don't know if it'll be the strength of the team, but you could win some games on the defensive side this year. So, yeah, I'm excited for the potential, but until I see it on the field, I don't know what to expect. Right. right. A lot of it's going to come down to Baker Mayfield again. And does he pick up where he left off on offense? I think he will. Mm -hmm. But the defense just just doing what we expect him to do with the improvements. Well, there's so many interesting storylines with this team, you know, all over the depth chart uh, that it's going to be fascinating to watch no matter how they do this year. And uh, me, I'm just a web dork. I'm allowed to get hyped as, as hyped as I want. Uh, and I am very hyped going into this season. That's for damn sure. Uh, next question from Steve C. He says, does the lack of a good defensive line worry you that the defense will not be good? And my guess is that Steve is probably most concerned with the interior defensive line, although he does not say that. Um, does that worry you at all, the front seven? Well, I've, I've never – I've haven't seen the Browns stop the run in forever. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. what, you know, with all this speed and the, maybe the undersized guys at linebacker and JOK, he, he's not a big individual. He looks like a safety to me. Hopefully, you know, he can hit like a missile. That's what he did in college. But as far as I'm, I'm, I am a little concerned that teams will just run the ball down their throat if they mm-hmm. can't stop the run. But I think they have enough guys you know, like Billings, I think, is a pretty good run. I think he's an upgrade over Ogunjobi. I disagree with the premise, you know, that this, um, the question from Steve. Um, I do, I think Tack McKinley and Jadavian Clowney are way upgrades over Olivier Vernon and, and Adrian Claiborne. I don't know, maybe Richardson. I don't know if they're upgrades or not, but if they can just hold the Ford. I think Billings is better than Oganobi in stopping the run. And Garrett, I think he's going to be healthy this year, you know, over the COVID. So I think the defensive line is going to be good. And I think you're going to see Clowney at tackle, you know, and McKinley at the end. You're going to have Garrett and McKinley on the end and and uh, Jackson and Clowney inside sometimes. Clowney's a very right. good run stopper. And I mm-hmm. think they'll put him in there to stop the run 
you know, and McKinley, you know, can edge rush, but I think he can also stop the run. So, no, I'm not that concerned with that. I think that, I think that, you know, the linebackers, Anthony Walker will fill those gaps and and make plays. Um, And I think your defensive backs are going to be, you're going to have one up there in the box a lot. Right, right. You'll have a defensive back up in the box, and you'll also have Anthony Walker coming in, who's a pretty good run stuffer, uh, and uh, you know improved uh, athleticism on defense. Hopefully, will make a difference in the rushing game. Uh, next question, uh, Captain Fierce asked one that I think we answered already, but uh, Brian Glantz asked if I got a ring light, and uh, a ring light I believe is something that you use for professional-looking lighting. Uh, and uh, no, I did not have one. I did not get one. Uh, the glow you see is the glow of Maker's Mark at this point. Uh, next question comes from Scott Simmons. And Scott asks if our biggest weakness is backup kicker. <laughs> do, you, do you think we? Do you think there is a back, biggest weakness on this club, Fred? Where would you? Where would you point your finger? Yeah. So, you know, that that's a pretty good sign. That's the last thing you want to do is worry about losing a close game because you don't have a kicker. But we talk too much about the kicker. As far as I think the biggest weakness is um, the unproven. Uh, young, you know, Greedy Williams, if he's going to come back. I think the biggest thing is the depth. Um, maybe in some of the biggest battles will be depth on the defensive line, you know. I think that they've got a bunch of candidates, but you don't really know what you have till you see them on the field. So, yeah, I think right. You know, there's there's several areas that should be better on all the way around with the guys they brought in. The six unre- unrestricted free agents on defense are all, in my opinion, better than the guys they're replacing. So upgrades wow. across the board, with the exception maybe McKinley, a wash with Olivier Vernon. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, next question comes from Everwind. Uh, his question is, I think the big issue is is the defense now fast enough to stop Lamar Jackson. That guy single-handedly beat us. I know this is something we've addressed a couple times here, Fred. Uh, you think we're fast enough now? You know, I wrote this, you know, on the way there's so much talk all the time that – Somebody always gets around to it, but I wrote a story a long time ago before the draft about what about dedicating a roster spot about one guy to stop Lamar Jackson. If he's the guy that is between you and winning the AFC North, in my opinion, he is because, and it's not Mm -hmm. throwing the ball, it's running the ball. Last year, every time they'd have third and long, he would run out of the pocket because nobody could catch him. If JOK is exactly the guy that I wanted him to get, and if he, if he did nothing more than shut down Lamar Jackson, he's well worth it. I think he's going to have a much bigger role than that. But guys like John Johnson, JOK, those guys, yeah, I agree 100%. I'd put the whole thing, the burden on Lamar Jackson to throw out of the pocket. Do not let him run. Now, it's easier said than done as far as, but you have fast enough guys, if they stand or contain, even if they just don't let him get out, of the, they just make him stand back there and don't let him run down the sideline for 20 yards on third and 18. So, yeah, I agree totally that he's the key stopping him on his legs. Absolutely. You got me psyched up there, Fred. 
you know, I want to go tackle Lamar Jackson myself. Uh, not that that would do any good. Um, but, uh, yeah, the Browns hopefully know that the uh, path to the division title runs through Baltimore this year. And, uh, you know, we had, we had a question from uh, Jen of the Sheep from last week that I kept. And he talks about Jackson moving under center, uh, which apparently they're doing a little bit more in Baltimore. Uh, and whether we think that'll cause create havoc with his rollouts or uh, give him otherwise problems. He, he's never really played under center, has he, Fred? No, I mean, I don't know if they will, but, you know, I, I noted something that they have stopped media from filming any him throwing or right. doing anything in, in right. camp. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that his legs are the key, however they – figure to do it he's a big part of their running game and you just got to figure out how to stop him and you know and I think they have the guys that can do it I think they got several defenders now that can run with him they might not be as as fast but I think a JOK you know a Newsome a Troy Hill you know John Johnson a Ronnie Harrison Grant Delpit any one of those guys can can get right there and athletically play with him yeah, absolutely. We got time for one more question, uh, and this comes from Captain Fierce. He wants to know our thoughts on Anthony Schwartz uh, and whether we saw any of him running around during camp. Uh, was he on the sideline most of the time, Fred, or was he allowed to roam free? He was a on the bit? sideline all three days. No, he didn't practice. So he's, uh, uh, you know, he's he was with the trainer. Um, he's got a leg injury. I think it's a hamstring, and when he's a world-class sprinter, they don't want to mess around with that. I don't think it's probably serious. Um, they said he'd be fine. They're just they're just not going to take any chances. When that guy's known right. for his speed, that's all he's got, mainly. So, no, um, I think he's there to stretch the field. He's there for the jet sweeps. I think Prefer said they're looking at him as the return guy. On special mm-hmm. teams, so they're looking for him. I think ultimately they'd like to see him like in a Tyreek Hill role, you know, and and uh, four two five speed. You know, there's no sense in testing his hamstring in June, and so right. I think he'll be ready for training camp. But yeah, I'll be interested to see it. him. Yeah, he can flat out fly. Scott Simmons points out in the chat that I could not catch Lamar, uh, and he's probably right. Uh, I could certainly, I, I, I am good at occupying space, though. That's basically my thing. I occupy space. And uh, we will be back here next week, next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Uh, for more of your questions and uh, whatever news happens in the course of the next week or so. And we will talk about it here. Make sure you listen to Not the Same Old Browns podcast recorded yesterday. Uh, should be a link to it on the OBR. I'll make sure there's a link in the newswire tomorrow morning. Really good stuff. They're joining the lineup in a couple of weeks here uh, on Wednesday, and uh, that will be a lot of fun. So thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us and uh, your questions and all that, and we will see you all next week. Thanks, Emil.